0: We are committed to amplifying the voices of people who are dedicated to Jesus and to
1: justice.
0: justice. Hello, everybody. This is Shane Claiborne, and I'm so glad you could join me today. You are in for a treat. I'm going to hold off on that just a minute, but I want to say, uh, if you're joining us for the first time, we, we talk on this show about faith, but we also talk about how faith uh, causes us to care about the world that we live in and to care about injustice and racism and inequity. Uh, and, and for a lot of Christians, faith is just kind of a ticket into heaven and uh, becomes a place to hide from responsibility from the world that we're in. And I've, I've heard that old saying that some Christians are so heavenly minded that we're not much earthly good. And I believe in heaven, and I believe that God is healing souls and saving souls, but I also believe that as Jesus talked about the kingdom of God, that it wasn't just something we go up to when we die, but something we're to bring on earth as it is in heaven. So we're to bring heaven on earth and think of the mission of God as something that we get to participate in right now, and that's how folks know of God's love is by the way, not just by our doctrinal statements, but by the way that we love one another, the way that we love the most vulnerable people in our society, and there's nobody I'd rather talk about that with than my brother, David Anderson. So for y'all that don't know, DA, as many of us call him, the Reverend Doctor, the most Reverend, uh, (laughs) David Anderson is the uh, founding pastor, senior pastor at Bridgeway Community Church, which I understand DA has like people from over 50 different countries, right, that are it's it's a beautiful reflection of the kingdom of God on earth. I've been down there to worship and would go more if it wasn't such a long commute. That's why I was just telling David. Um, but it, it I mean it also looks like you you celebrate almost 30 years, like 29 years or something there. That's right?
1: right. That's right. 30 years. We're almost entering into our 31st year. Can you believe that? Unbelievable.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, you don't look that old either. I
1: mean, I, I know. I know I started ministry when I was ten.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, but uh, in addition to pastoring, David, this is how I know uh, uh, Reverend David Anderson is. I've been on his talk show, uh, his talk show, real speak, uh, real talk. With um, is the mo- the second most listened to Christian talk show on the East Coast, and uh, it's the second in the whole country. First on the East Coast, right? So. <laughs> it's it's a big deal. station.
1: Yeah, the yeah. number one uh Christian talk station on the East Coast, second in the country and we're just blessed to have our show as number one show on that station, man. And it was great it, having dude. you on as well.
0: I love it. Every time I get to be on, I love it. So, you can see more about the the uh real talk and everything at Anderson Speaks. Um and Dave uh Dave has written a bunch of books. He's written uh one, one of the ones I got here on my top shelf, Dave, is uh, Gracism, the Art of Inclusion. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's another one, I For Grace You. So you can see a theme here with the gracism right. and the for grace. But And there's a new edition, right, coming out of, of, uh, of gracism, right?
1: Yeah, spring of 2023, there'll be a revised and new edition, updated material, and a new saying out of the seven sayings of a gracist, we've now added an eighth saying. So mm. look forward to that.
0: Hey man let's let's start there because um it feels like our you know our country is experiencing uh some real a real racial reckoning i mean almost every um day we we see that race still has racism has so much residue um and i mean you can see it in in uh police violence. You, we, we see it in our politics, uh, you know, the criminal justice system. I'm really active on the death penalty. We've talked about that disproportionately affects, you know, folks of color, black folks in particular. And so um, you, you've kind of done a lot of beautiful, spiritual, holy work uh, talking about ra- racism from a real biblically grounded uh, understanding. So, give us a li- give us a little taste of of gracism, man, and your work on it.
1: Well, you've done so much on executing grace and uh, keeping uh, as many folk off of uh, the chopping block, so to speak, of capital punishment. So, thank you, first of all, for the way you execute grace, and we're also grateful that the Lord has executed grace on our behalf and so we know grace is receiving something that we we don't deserve we cannot repay and we cannot earn it's just god's favor upon us so we know that we also know a negative term racism and that is that that insidious poison that hits the human soul where mm. there's a racial superiority uh, and looking down the nose on others racial inferiority and And uh, that that supremacy over one group over another throughout the world is really, really bad. And so when you take those two words and concepts and put them together, uh, the positive word of grace, the negative uh, word of racism, together you get gracism, which is God's positive favor that he extends, right? And so we extend that positive favor, regardless of color, class, or culture, maybe even because of it, yeah. we extend that favor. Uh, to everyone, whether they deserve it, whether they can earn it, whether they can repay it. And I really do believe that gracism is God's solution to racism. And he's the biggest gracist of us all, Shane, uh, because, you know, he went to another race, you know, and he extended grace that we didn't deserve. And so if we want to be like Christ, we need to be racist. And the, the G in the word gracism stands for God. So you put God in front of any problem and he'll give you the solution to it and the strength to get through it. Mm.
0: And when, when I think of uh, your congregation down there, I mean, this is not just theology and books you're writing, but you've been practicing it for a long time, trying to build a multicultural uh, community that reflects the the reign of God and over 50 countries represented. And uh, I've heard people differentiate between uh, having a multicultural community and just a diverse community that's led by white folks, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and, uh, uh, but you're working hard really to reflect the kingdom T- tell us some of that, you know, highs and lows of that things you've learned over almost three decades since you were 10 years old. Uh, pastor. Yeah, right. Exactly.
1: <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, when we wanted to start Bridgeway community church, they told us it couldn't be done. Birds of a feather flock together, a homogeneous unit you want to grow a, a multi, uh, if you want to grow a mega church, you know, you sort of focus on Saddleback Sam or Inside the Mind of Unchurched Harry and Mary, or you target a community and you grow that thing. Uh, and so that's kind of what I understood, you know, grow, uh, going to Moody Bible Institute and Willow Creek Community Church as an intern and, and all the books from Fuller and church planners and all that. So what God was calling me to was something different than all of that. And not having uh, models to look at 30, uh, 31 years ago of, of large churches that were multiracial was a real challenge. And so pioneering and frontiering something sort of new uh, was was a challenge. And the people that I looked to as heroes, they were great, um, but they had unicultural ministries. You know, they may have had very multicultural audiences nationally because of radio or television. But if you had them at conferences at Moody Church, you know, whether it was Chuck Swindoll or John MacArthur or Tony Evans or whoever, David Jeremiah, whoever these people were, they had large listening audiences, viewing audiences and conferences that were multicultural. Then they'd go back to their white churches. Or go back to their Black churches. So like, how do you live on the ground with people who are Asian, Hispanic, Black, White, Native American, 10 different, 11 different African countries, seven different European countries, 10 different Asian countries? Like, How do you do that? Mm -hmm. And didn't really have many people to look at for that. So honestly, we just kind of had to feel our way through it, but continue to hold the value of what the vision was and to be doggedly determined not to... uh, have mission creep or or veer to the left or to the right because we knew what God called us to, and whether we ever grew to be a mega church or not, which only by God's grace, we are large, I guess, but um, that wasn't the goal. The goal yeah. was to reach as many people for Christ as we could, and so I think the, it began with a vision and other people who bought into the vision. But as you said before, there are a lot of diverse churches, but the majority of those in America, which are now growing after 30 years, are predominantly led uh, by white people. And so Ohio State University did a study years ago and they came to visit me and they visit some other church and they said, what's very unique about Bridgeway is that you have a multicultural church led by an African-American male, and yet you have white people who submit to you. And while that seems like big news to some folk, it's, it's normal for us, but I have to say to you as a, as a black man, when I go to a white lawyer's office and that lawyer's older than me, and he says to his colleagues in the office, oh, and this is my pastor, David Anderson. Hmm. That does something to my soul, but hmm. what it did do to this, this man's soul, if he's a 50 or 60-year-old man saying, here's my 40-year-old pastor, and he's a black man, hmm. only discipleship and only the move of God could actually make that normative. Ooh, man,
0: so many things, you know, pop in my head, but one of them, I I was thinking of, you know, Brian Stevenson, our brother down, you know, EJI founder of equal justice initiative down in Birmingham, Alabama. um, he tells a story one time of when he came into you know the courtroom and the judge uh told him that uh he needed to step out because it was only the counsel that was allowed in you yeah. know what he said? Yeah. The, the, the irony is not only was he the lawyer but uh the guy who was defending was a white guy you know right. you so, right but you know the ways that we um have been conditioned to see are often uh, not through the lens of Jesus and the Scripture, but through the lens of our culture. And you know, you and I have been together enough to, that I can throw all this out there. You know, I grew up in little town in East Tennessee where uh, we had the Confederate flag on everything it was on our lunchroom trays um it, my high school was the maryville high school rebels so the confederate mm. flag was on our football field it was on painted in murals on our walls um that's no longer the case thank goodness but it took a lot of work to even for me coming out of that to kind of have new eyes to see some of those things i mean it's no coincidence that the same state i'm from tennessee had a, a statue of nathan bedford Forrest, uh the founder of the kkk uh, in the capital until a little over a year ago, so though that like that kind of wicked legacy uh, and fingerprint of racism—that's the obvious stuff, right? Uh, all the battle over the the Confederate monuments and things like that. But there's a right. lot of lot of folks that just want to move on, you know, and. I hear a lot of folks saying, you know, we need to be post race. Like God didn't create race. It was a human construct. We all bleed the same blood. We're made in the image of God. And I think it's also, so, you know, this kind of colorblind phenomenon. I know you've heard that many times and it gets very um, tiring, right? Because yeah. there's a, yeah. there's a part of it that is, this is why the response to black lives matter has been all lives matter. Right. right. Um, and uh I want to I want to hear your thoughts on on that a little bit. And then I, I I've got a few of my own, but I'm a, I want I want to hear from you, man.
1: <laughs> well, you know, the best response, the best response to that is okay, great, I agree with you. I'd like for you to be black for a month. <laughs> so just, you know, see if you hold that same philosophy if you are black for a month. The people who usually are saying that are not are not people of color. So it's real easy to say, let's not worry about color. Let's be colorblind. Let's, let's, you know, just be post race as a social construct. Well, you know, yes, we're all one race. The reality is it, it, you wouldn't have to say that if there wasn't a problem. So why don't you become that for a month? And you say, well, how can I, how can I become that? And I say, okay, let's do this. Since I can't make your face black, I can't put you in blackface, and And uh, you know, you, we, we're not going to change your name or your features. Let's do this. I want you to make a commitment for 30 days not to buy anything, shop any, anywhere, or uh, patronize any business, non-for-profit, or organization unless it's Black-owned. For 30 days. That's all I ask you to do. And if you can do that, then come back and talk to me and let's see if there's a difference. Mm-hmm. And they say, well, sure, I could do that. Okay, great. Uh, Let me go get some gas. Oh, hold on. Let me find a gas station that's black-owned. Hmm. Let me go grocery shopping. Oh, hold on. Let me find a grocery store that's black-owned. Let me find produce that comes from black farms. Let me go to a bank that's black-owned. So just think about what you would have to do. How far would you have to drive to find produce from a black farm? to go to a bank that's black, like just give them that assignment for 30 days. You won't do any commerce, anybody won't eat eat in any restaurants unless it's black owned. Now here's the thing. There are some that can do it. It's the effort that has to be made to get to it. Yeah. Right. The research that has to be done. And so when you think about that, that's a practical way of trying to just say, let me do a case study here. Mm. And then, and then you reverse it after 30 days and say, now, Having had that experience, we're not saying that things can't be done. I can get a loan, but how far do I have to drive? I can get groceries. How far do I have to go? So when people say I have to work harder, I have to walk longer, I have to struggle more. It's not that they're not recognizing what you've had to go through. Mm. They're Mm. just showing you and sharing with you that it takes more in order to have the same outcomes right. come on makes sense.
0: Woo! glory yeah <laughs> I, i'm you know i mean and it it is everywhere and this is the thing is that certainly in god's kingdom we're all equal we're all equally valued but the thing is that um God created diversity too, you know. And you, you look at Babel, and that was when we had all one people, one language, and God scattered us and created language and culture. And that's why I love, you know, I look at Pentecost and you have this wonderful, beautiful diversity, you know, of, of every sort ur- urban and rural and different languages and dialects and different colors of skin. And everybody hears the gospel in their own tongue. And it's that unity, you know, it says that they were all one in heart and mind, you know, that, that unity that. That is not uniformity right the oneness that's not sameness but that actually exists powerfully in the context of diversity that's why like your church you know 50 different nations is is that you can have unity there because you don't have uniformity right and you're wrestling with appreciating each other and uh Boy, I think there's we got a few sermons in there. I'm gonna stop, but like, I mean, every person has a different fingerprint, right? Like, we all got a different DNA. Like, God has created that that uniqueness of every person.
1: And, yeah, I was uh, just driving. I was just driving into my office, and as I was going in the back parking lot, Shane, you've been here before, but as I was going in the back parking lot, a guy's walking out. He uh, was one of our musicians. He, you know, he's a mixed Mexican male. Who's probably mid twenties with black hair like uh, the, the the rock and rollers? Uh, Kiss, remember Kiss? Or, oh yeah, oh, or yeah. Oh, ZZ Top and all that. Just all the way down his back, and I'm thinking, yeah, this is the church I go to. <laughs>
0: That's it. Oh man, At red letter Christians. You know, sometimes we say uh, we're as wise as we are diverse. Yeah. Because the more homogeneous we are, the more blind spots we have. Right. We just have different social locations. So uh, we we like to say that we're harmonizing, but not homogenizing. And we, you know, Correct. so listen, y'all. If you're just tuning in, this is Shane Claiborne, and my guest is my friend and my brother, uh, Reverend Doctor David Anderson, and if you haven't uh, bumped into David Anderson before, you should go to Anderson Speaks, check out his website. Um, He's got this incredible church in the D.C. area called Bridgeway, and his uh, radio show is called Real Talk with David Anderson, and it's the uh, most listened to Christian talk station on the East Coast, second most listened to station in the country. So he's an incredible brother and uh, does so much work around uh, racism and gracism is his word God putting God in front of everything. And I, I think that uh, as I think of this too, man, the, the principalities and the powers, they discriminate, right? Like uh, I, I'm just watching that recent, did you see that experiment with the house, right? This house that was um, appraised with a white owner and the exact same house was appraised with a African-American. owner. Yeah, I just right? saw two weeks ago. <laughs> and it was like, I don't know, $150,000 or something with yeah. the. Uh, they sued I mean, him, though. Yeah. At least they sued them. Yeah. But then it got up to like, yeah. So, but you know, the freakonomic studies that, you know, they put the exact same resume before employers and over and over the employers choose, uh, you know, the white sounding name, uh, yeah. Shannon over Shaniqua. Yeah, it ain't or Jamal. Matthew over, you know, Mohammed doesn't get the job very often. So, those, you know, and I, I think that, um, that's part of what we're doing with, you know, saying being able to say black lives matter to celebrate folks is my friend, Alexia Salvatira She's, you probably know her well too. She, she, she talks about the verse in Corinthians. It talks about unity. You know, we're all one body with many parts. And if one part suffers, we all suffer. But then she, she's beautifully points out at the end. It says we, that God gives special honor. To the parts of the body that have been dishonored, and yeah. she said that's God's affirmative action, That's right? right? And so that's why that's why we can be particular in saying Black Lives Matter because uh, there's a group of people that have historically been denied uh, their humanity. They, you know, and and uh, so we can't say all lives matter until we can be particular about that. You know, I, I also heard a comedian, da, that said <laughs> I think it was Michael Shea that said if your wife comes up to you and says Do you love me, baby? You don't look back at her and say, "I love everyone." (laughs) (laughs) You know, there's there's something intimate and beautiful about God's love and God's justice for people that have been historically uh, mistreated and marginalized. So, anyway, I I I, want to hear more. You know, when you when you're in your congregation, though, you know, Dr. King said it's the most segregated hour in the world, eleven o'clock on Sunday morning. How do you build the true community that isn't just the kind of promise keepers? Let's hug each other and, you know, kind of the cheap grace or the, the 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 cheap reconciliation without some of the harder work.
1: Yeah. Back in that First Corinthians 12 passage, which Alexia was talking about and what I wrote about in my book, Gracism built off of First Corinthians 12, it does say suffer with those who suffer and rejoice with those who rejoice. And out of the seven sayings of a grace, it's the new eighth saying is, I will heal with you. Mm, and it's the sufferer wow. with those who suffer or grieve with those who grieve. And it's the idea of empathy. Mm, and, you mm-hmm. know, when you have empathy, uh, this, this is what's going to help us bring healing Uh, to one another, because when you don't have empathy, then you just don't care when you show empathy. It shows that you do care and you do feel. And I think we're moving into a time in our country where people are feeling less and people are not having a sense of empathy and they want to stand for their rights more than they want to walk with people who are hurting. And when you talk about Black Lives Matter, we're talking about we're talking about pain when somebody's experiencing pain. So You know, if we are one body, uh, then, you know, your physical body, if Shane, if I step on your toe by accident or on on, uh, purpose, if I step on your big toe and you scream, ouch, Mm. then you're going to give attention to that one toe. All of the body is giving attention to the most hurt part. Mm. How the other nine toes say, "No, but but we matter too." Half the hand says, "Hello, but we <laughs> matter too." It's yeah, yeah. it's it's not that you don't matter. It's that your your blood moves to the part with the most pain and your mouth speaks pain mm. because of what's happening all the way down to the toe. So it's not about what matters, it's about what needs most attention because of pain. Mm. Mm.
0: It's
1: good. Oh, mm. by the way, and in my church, what's yeah, really cool. I told you when I drove up, I'd yeah. only been here five minutes yeah. uh, and I had five interactions, five people. So the dude with the long hair, Mexican mix, I get out of my car, a Korean pastor rolls the window down and says, Hey, pastor, you need any help? No, thank you. I'm good to go. Pastor Jen. I walk through the door. I see my my Nigerian assistant and my Puerto Rican uh, PR <laughs> a person. And then my white COO comes and sits in front of my desk to talk to me. Five interactions within five minutes. It's a normal day. That is what racism looks like and feels like.
0: I love it, man. I love it. And so one of the takeaways for those of us that, uh, you know, come from European descent, lighter colored skin is that we need to be in spaces where we are a minority more often. We might as well practice because it ain't going to be that long before we are a minority as white folks in America. And that's part of the growing pains of some of this stuff in our country is that the folks that have been the majority culture, that have held the reins of power, that have been the moral gatekeepers, um, the power dynamics are changing in our country Con- congress is changing we've had our first african-american president now our you know uh, first uh, uh woman of color that's uh, uh, vice president and so i think there's a lot of white folks that are you know, they're, they're uncomfortable and they're nostalgic they're even fearful and so we got to reckon with that those are some deep deep uh principalities and powers at work um so brother, we, I wanted to hear, we gotta, we, we gotta do this again soon, but we're, we got two minutes left and I wanna hear just a little bit extending beyond the beautiful work that you're doing there in the DC area at Bridgeway. Uh, you, you've reached out to the Ukraine, it's heavy on our hearts right now. And um, tell us just a little bit or a story or a little glimpse of what you're doing over there and any way we can support, man.
1: Well, we work hard uh, to consult and to help uh, build bridges across great divides around the world. So wherever there's a divide, we wanna help. I wanted you to go with me, couldn't pull it off, but we took a multicultural team, which is beautiful, to to Romania, to Hungary, to Ukraine, to help build bridges of reconciliation and to help uh, them. I think one of the biggest takeaways was that we were a multicultural team and they hadn't seen that before. People Mm -hmm. wanted to touch our skin that were black. They hadn't seen black missionaries. They hadn't seen white people and Hispanic people all together. So that was a, a move just in its presence. But Mm. then also in the way we loved people, that Mm. was just uh, beautiful. And what we learned and how we were able to serve and be served is absolutely amazing. And then very quickly, there was a woman who had a missile that hit the back of her house, but it didn't explode. We met Mm. her in Romania. Now she's back at home in Kiev and we are supporting her in her new business. So this is real stuff across the world.
0: Wow. I got I got chill bumps, man, just hearing all that. And, and especially hearing about what it's like to be missional there, even as we saw some complicated race dynamics with refugees that had darker skin, you know, that were treated differently. So help us, Lord. Gracism, though. More powerful than racism. And uh, God's love is bigger than our hatred and bigger than our, the sin of racism. So nobody understands that better than my brother, David Anderson. It's been a privilege to be together. Join us next week, y'all. Hey, y'all, this is Shane Claiborne with Red Letter Christians, and I've got a big favor to ask of you. We want to get to know you a little bit more and make sure that you're getting what you need from Red Letter Christians. So I would love it if you would head to tinyurl.com slash RLC dash podcast. It's all in the show notes. And take five minutes to complete a little survey from you so that we can make sure that you get more Of what you love. It's just an honor to be building a better world with all of you. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Red Letter Christians podcast. Too often, Christians have used our faith as a ticket into heaven and a license to ignore the world we live in. But at Red Letter Christians, we believe our faith is not just about going to heaven when we die, but also about bringing heaven to earth while we live. For more information on Red Letter Christians and upcoming events, additional resources, you can go to the show notes or our website, redletterchristians.org. You can also support Red Letter Christians by giving a one-time donation or becoming a monthly sustainer. Just go to our website and click the red donate button. Thank you for being a part of this conversation and for being a part of this movement.